Well, welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast. And uh, this week we're talking alternative energy again, um, but having a look at a slightly different perspective, um, i.e. that of a fund management outfit that is active in the space. And um, we're talking to um, a member of uh, Next Energy Capital, um, who's going to be giving us a little bit more um, perspective on that market and, and on one of their listed investment trusts as well. Uh, so uh, today we'd like to welcome Ross Greer from Next Energy Capital. He's a managing director there. Welcome to the show, Ross. Thanks, Stuart. Nice to be here. So just to kick off, Next Energy Capital, can you give us a, a, a brief summary of, of the firm and what it does? Absolutely. So Next Energy Capital is a is a mission-driven organization that is trying to deliver a more sustainable future through the adoption of renewable energy. So what we've really focused on is commercializing and, and large-scale adopting solar and ancillary technologies in, in multiple markets uh, across the world. I look after the UK market um, for, for Next Energy Capital, so predominantly focus on the activities that we've got in, in the UK space. Uh, there's three pillars to Next Energy Capital. So we do everything from development, so concepting a project, taking it through its planning process, right the way through to the asset management side of our vehicle, where we, we long-term uh, look after and extract value from these assets um, for our investor base. And in the middle of all of that is what we, what's called Next Energy Capital, which is the, the investment management vehicle that looks after our funds. Um, and in this particular example, we, we're going to talk about Next Energy Solar Fund today. Um, that's a listed vehicle, which, which Next Energy Capital has managed from its inception back in 2014. But you, as a, as a firm, you're obviously managing multiple funds. Uh, I presume some of them closed-ended as well. Yeah, correct. So we've got a combination of of Next Energy Solar Fund, which is our our uh, publicly listed vehicle, um, and then we have a whole suite of private vehicles. Again, they're all renewables focused. So we tend to do solar at the core of everything we do, and then ancillary technologies, and that's everything from battery storage to to um, uh, you know other ancillary technologies that are complementary with with solar PV portfolios. Can you say why solar? I mean, why why focus on solar specifically rather than because there's obviously you know there's wind, there's there's experimental wave power. What was it about solar especially? Yeah, so there's a couple of real drivers behind that. The first one is we don't believe it's possible to be expert in everything. So you know we see a lot of our peers who buy everything that you've just mentioned from you know AD and anaerobic digestion right the way through to solar PV and and everything in between. We don't believe as an infrastructure investor that you really can extract value long term in the way that 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 our investor base want us to um, from an infrastructure investor investment. Sorry, so, so that's one of the, the core reasons. And 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 part of that group that I I I detailed out at the start of the conversation is is our asset management function. And we look after assets all over the world for a variety of different sponsors and lenders in varying different ages. So so what we get to see in that space is how assets and portfolios are going to evolve over time and we can feed that right back across our business all the way back in fact to how we develop and, and construct those assets in the first instance that gives us a higher standard of asset more availability more opportunities to generate revenues for our for our investor base and a more robust portfolio that delivers attractive returns out into the future so we we, we have that at the core also solar pv as well is is super predictable right it's a it's demonstrated over the last decade that it's a really important part of the the energy mix globally and it's going to be a really important part of how we achieve things like net zero and energy security out into the future so we really like how 
deliverable solar PV is and how well understood it is as a generating set. And, and the combination of all of that, we think, gives us as a firm the, the opportunity to, to give outstanding returns over the long term for our investors from our platforms. So next, Energy Solar Fund. This is um, a UK listed fund. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about, about this particular fund in your, in your lineup? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Next Energy Solar Fund was listed back in, in 2014. Um, it's a, a FTSE listed vehicle. It recently re-entered the 250. Um, and it was predominantly uh, established to look at UK subsidised solar assets. So historically, the UK solar sector benefited from renewable obligation certificates and feed-in tariffs, so government-based subsidies to, to promote the adoption of, of renewable energy more widely. Um, and, and we've built a significant platform of assets in the UK and, and other markets, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, um, within that Next Energy Solar Fund platform. Um, and, and it's a long-term holder of those assets. So it's looking at anything from 25 to 50-year ownership of of each one of those assets and the benefits that we bring to to that platform as a team are again that we cover everything from how that asset is developed right the way through to how we trade the power that those assets produce and how we de-risk them operationally and, and so on throughout their their operational life um, we've got 100 assets under management at the moment in that portfolio and um, we have recently brought a whole load of diversification into the platform alongside solar which is predominantly the core of the portfolio and we've brought in some international solar pv in into that mix we've also moved quite heavily into the battery storage space as well which is an important part of how the renewables mix continues to grow in the uk space and and internationally as well so what's what's really exciting from my perspective about the next energy solar fund is it's year on year outperformed its forecasts from a an operational power production uh, expectation perspective and also from a revenue perspective we year on year increase the dividend um, and we've been an exceptionally high paying um, or high yielding uh, outfit from that perspective nav drivers have been significantly positive uh, of late for our sector um, and we are uh, really well kind of positioned for a high inflationary environment within that within that portfolio. And as well as that, you know, existing core of a portfolio to deliver those exceptional returns, we've also got really exciting growth prospects as well through secured pipeline that we have across all of those things I've mentioned from domestic solar PV growth, which we do at utility scale, right the way through to, um, to the battery storage side as well. A lot of questions um, raised there. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> first of which is, um, when you're talking about the assets in the portfolio, are you primarily getting involved at the level where it's there's the solar farm is being planned out and scoped out, um, or, or are you buying solar farms off other people instead? I mean, how how does it work in practice? So the models evolved over the the years since inception of the fund. Traditionally, you know, all of our peers as well were, were in the secondary market space. So we were buying operational solar PV assets. That was generally done at what's called PAC. So just after construction, as you've debugged the, the asset and it started to perform in line with expectations, you're going through a DD process and, and, and you're acquiring the asset then. What was clear from that process, though, is it doesn't give us maximum control over the, the the way in which the assets deployed and that's from technology specification right the way through to how you manage quality assurance throughout the build program so we spent a lot more time vertically integrating with that supply chain so we we, we now do everything from 
concepting, so concepting the asset, finding the assets, finding the grid connections in the development stage, taking them through that planning process, um, and then on into the construction process, and and then on into long long term operations. And what that really allows us to do is know every single blade of grass on the assets, and that's important to how we extract that long term availability so that long-term reliability of performance from the asset that gives us the maximum opportunity to generate generate revenue um, and it's a key component of how we built NESF differentially from our peers so you know early in the fund's life rather than just continuing to buy secondary market assets what we would do instead is split our acquisition so we would exchange contracts to buy similar to what you do with a house prior to construction but we would complete afterwards and that would allow us to influence the construction contracts and also the technology that was specified so we could minimize technology risk across the portfolio maximize the quality processes throughout and that really has demonstrated that that or the brought to bear sorry the the, the benefits of the team's knowledge in running assets into the construction process that gives us that that year on year out performance that I that I mentioned earlier on in in our chat um, and that's important to how we continue to to grow the platform so that same discipline that we applied day one applies to how we continue to grow the platform today and you mentioned the fact that you actually benefit from the income from the solar farm so as electricity prices have gone up um your your um, farms are actually selling power into the grid and making money. Um, does that does that mean that the 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 fund actually has quite a decent um, yield profile from an investor's perspective? For someone who's now investing in, as you say, a high inflationary environment, you're talking here about a fund that, as it acquires more and more assets, is going to be paying out more and more um, from its income. Yeah, so I think a couple of things important when considering why this type of a fund is is really interesting in the space. So it generates its revenue from from two key sources. One is those long term government subsidies that I mentioned earlier that equates to about 50 percent of the revenue that the platform generates. What's important about those is they are directly RPI linked. Um, and and they are long term. So you're talking between 15 and 20 years, depending on when the the uh, th- that incentive was was achieved. So that's 50% of the revenue stack. The other 50% comes from selling the power into the grid, as you as you're saying. And at Next Energy, we have an an in-house power sales desk. So we're pretty unique in the space by having that skill set within our investment team. Uh, and and what they're doing is looking at how we can achieve the maximum price for the power that we're generating whilst de-risking for our investor base as well. So what what we don't think our job is as infrastructure investors is to let all of this power spill into the grid and then we take whatever the spot price is. And, And you can do some super lucrative trading when markets are as volatile as they are at the moment. We believe that the right thing for us to do is to forward sell that power. And that allows us to cope with any significant volatility in the market and still get really good comfort about how we're going to service that dividend out into the future. So so we do a combination of both of those things to, to, to bring attractive returns into the market. We're also pretty conservative about how we um, value the portfolio and how we think about things like discount rates within the portfolio. So even in a higher interest rate environment, we still have cushion within that discount rate to cope with the interest rate rises. We're obviously significantly well cushioned against um, the the higher inflationary environment with that direct linkage from the subsidies, but also the indirect linkage from from the power markets. And therefore the platform um, performs exceptionally well in, in a higher inflationary environment. The other thing that I always like to sort of leave as a headline is 
what what we do when we think about paying our dividend out into the future is assume no incremental growth. So what we don't need to do as a business is continue to buy assets to achieve the results that we're looking to achieve for our investors. We're able to do that from our existing portfolio. And I think that's a really interesting, again, dimension to how investors should be thinking about the current market dynamics that we're in, because what we're not doing is is relying on you know, new construction assets or, or, or new development assets that may be subject to volatility because of that same inflationary environment. Actually, we're able to do the day job from what we've already bought within the fund. And uh, predominantly a UK focused strategy, but you have you have some exposure to Italy as well. Why 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 the Italian angle? Uh, we started in the UK and, and have focused predominantly in the UK market. So the vast majority of our assets are UK based. As the sector has matured, our investors have got more comfortable with bringing diversification into the platform. And we've done that in, in a couple of key ways. We brought an Italian portfolio back in, in 2017, a market that we know really well. We actually have a have an office out in, in, in Milan and, and, and have done quite a lot of investing in the Italian market. So it made a lot of sense. And that's, that's you know, same technology set, same disciplines applied to a different market. The diversification geographically is beneficial for the portfolio, but also from an energy market perspective is beneficial as well. Um, so, so we are always looking at opportunities to bring accretive projects into the portfolio um, that are international as well. So throughout this last year as well, we've also brought in co-investment projects with one of our other international funds in, in Spain and also in Portugal as well. So, so we continue to look at how we can in, in, integrate other markets within the portfolio as well. And the other side of diversification that I've mentioned as well is obviously on the battery storage side as well. So as you see renewable energy penetration increasing across the grid and, and current market dynamics, you see significant volatility in that power price, which is where, as we know, batteries make a significant amount of their, their revenue long term. We don't see that volatility reducing in, in power pricing. We see it increasing. We like to see more renewables and the two go really hand in hand. So, so it's an important part of the growth story for any fund in this space that you continue to invest heavily in, in that enabling battery storage technology to support that incremental growth and to give comfort to you know, the end consumer around how the grids are being managed and grown and how that, that power price is being stabilized over the long term as well. If you're looking at solar energy, how does that stack up against the other, you know, the other competitors in the sector, like the, like as I say, wind power? You've mentioned anaerobic di digestion on this as well. From from an investor's perspective, rather than the consumer's perspective, how do solar farms measure up in terms of profitability against the alternative? So it's a very polite way of asking me if it's sunny enough in the UK. I think, isn't it? <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I've spent a decade answering answering exactly that question um, to investors, and and it is a it is a valid question. But but actually, what we see from from you know operations like the UK and 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 Germany and other sort of bands in the northern hemisphere, that that what you want is a is a combination of stable temperatures and reliable irradiant sunlight levels combined with some rainfall to 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 also uh, you know additionally clean clean your modules and so on so actually the band across the uk and germany is an exceptional place to generate reliable uh returns from from solar what you don't want is extremes of temperature because that gives you operational issues especially on the heat side because modules become less efficient 
the the, the, the hotter they get and also inverters are, are strained more. So your key components are under a lot more stress in those, those higher radiance environments. So there's always a trade-off for having significantly sunnier areas. So so the business case has has evolved to be exceptionally reliable in in the UK environment. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, going back to the start of this conversation, why we focus on solar PV. So really low inter-year volatility in how much irradiance falls in a specific location in the UK. And as you can imagine, we monitor this exceptionally closely and we base all of our assumptions on a, on a long-term data set. So when we're buying an asset, we're thinking about you know, how has irradiance evolved over the last 25 or 30 years in that space and how is it anticipated to evolve in the future, and um, so we're able to predict the the uh, the outcomes from these these solar farms exceptionally well, and I think that's the core of 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 where you start to think about these the the you know investing in something like NESF, which is quite heavily UK focused. And um, we also are in a, a a pretty stable regulatory environment in the UK. You know, it it is rare that the UK government has done anything in the past to upset infrastructure investment. They understand the importance of stability in this space in order to not discourage future investment. Obviously, you know, the last couple of weeks have been particularly interesting as as we've had um, you know new new uh pm and 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 so on come to the space and and uh, and create a lot of volatility but but we still see from our lobbying that um that, that they are extremely dedicated to continuing to grow renewable capacity out into the future in the uk so again that core we expect to, to maintain of support from from the government over the long term then pair all of that with operational excellence on our side as well. So we run a significant portfolio, as we've said, of assets both in the UK and internationally that allows us to give really stable operations and generate the maximum returns. Um, and following that, we we then are using our in-house energy sales desk to uh, generate as much revenue as we can from each of the assets. So long story short, it's extremely stable technology. Um, and we're able to to generate maximum returns reliably for investors. Now, how that stacks up against uh, uh, you know peer technologies is it has much fewer moving parts, much less complex supply chains, much less complex operational and maintenance regimes, and so on. So it's an important, a key key part of that stability uh, in in the UK energy mix. Um, one of the other things as well that, that's important within our sector is it's an exceptionally well-liked technology. So relative, again, to peers, you know, such as onshore wind, solar PV is much more readily adopted by the masses. So, so you know, you, you're always seeing a whole lot of nimbyism around onshore wind. You don't really get that for, for solar PV. It happens in isolation, but what we like to say is the correctly selected sites with the right community engagement gets you gets you the right results. And and actually what we see from from market analysis is people becoming more comfortable with solar the longer it's in place. So the longer they live near it, the more comfortable they are that it's part of the landscape and, and, and is inoffensive. Um, and also we we um you know it's really tried and tested in terms of its its technology set as well. So you know earliest solar PV modules were installed back in you know the 70s and 80s and are still generating power. So there's an awful lot of that that the you know experience that that has been brought into the sector and and continues to uh, drive successful outcomes for investors and 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 decent yields for investors 
whereas other technology sets that we see coming to the space aren't necessarily so tried and tested, but are still being called an infrastructure investment as well. So it's a combination of all of that. And, and solar stacks up exceptionally well against all of its peers. And we've obviously seen very high energy prices since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, gas prices up, oil prices up, electricity prices up. Uh, a lot of governments, including the UK government, are exploring how to uh, wean themselves off Russian gas and, and how they're going to cope with these higher prices. Is this is this a real growth opportunity um, for the solar power sector, particularly in the UK? Yeah, def- definitely is. Uh, solar PV has, has already established itself as an important part of the energy mix, as we've said. It is one of the only technologies that can deploy at scale quickly enough to bring bring about price stability and also those decarbonisation goals that we've got out to net zero. So, so we really back solar PV in this space, combined also with the battery storage that that we've mentioned as well. So, so you know, what's not going to happen is is solar PV is going away, right? We've we've now crossed that threshold, and and what we see is as a significant amount of investment opportunity which makes a whole bunch of sense in 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 the space what we are of course lobbying around and what we what we don't want to see is knee jerk reaction now by the government that deters any of that future investment in into the future or redirects capital in 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 the wrong way so you know it's important to us that we maintain that stable regulatory environment and and that we continue to to be clear around the fact that solar pv is a very important part of the the energy mix and can be for for the future and we, you have already touched a little bit on the fact that you know, obviously we're in a high inflationary environment investors are looking around for the sorts of um assets that can continue to perform when we're in a, a recession but we're still facing high inflation how do you think something like um uh you know, the next energy solar fund, for example, shapes up in that kind of an environment if we're looking out over the next sort of six to twelve months. Yeah, I guess I've touched on the on the fundamentals as you've said. It 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 it's really well positioned to to benefit from the higher inflationary environment and 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 the fact that we're not reliant on new assets coming into the platform is key in that space as well, because we can continue to do what we want to do for our investors without deploying new new projects you know as an m a junkie we're all i always like to see that pipeline growing and, and and it looks exceptionally good at the moment but but actually when i look at the core of of why nesf is a good place to be it's because of that portfolio that we've built to date that's not to say there aren't there aren't of course challenges in that space from from a you know continuing to manage opex continuing to bring components into the to the to the the country um, in a reliable fashion to maintain your assets, all, all of that that stuff that that's being experienced throughout the wider market. Of course, we do, but again, we've built resilience through operating perfectly through COVID and and also through Brexit and various other challenges that have actually already impacted our supply chain. Bring about the same sort of levels of of volatility that that we we will experience in higher inflationary environment as well within the supply chain. So we're already robust in that regard. So so I feel pretty comfortable operationally where we where we need to be to benefit from that higher inflationary environment. There's obviously talk at the moment of of the government looking at ways in which it can short-term suppress um, power pricing. And, and we're obviously cognizant of, of how that market's going to evolve and the impact that that has. But, but the core of the, the you know, portfolio's revenue comes from those long-term subsidies. So, so really, that's, that, that direct inflationary link there is, is, is a very secure alternative to you know, other products that are, that are out there, other more high-risk um, 
you know, infrastructure investments that, that people might be looking at. Uh, just finally, I, I go to quite a few sort of fund management conferences, and one of the big themes is obviously ESG investing. And there's frequently a debate about, oh, if you invest in in funds that have a, a lot of ESG or impact characteristics, you'll give up some of your upside potential. Um, it's all it's almost like a, a sort of a indirect green tax. Um, but there, I think they're probably talking a little bit about fund managers in the equity space who are, who are screening their funds. Would you say that something like NESF, I mean, it's 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 arguably one of the better performing um, investment trusts in the UK universe at the moment. Would you say that's actually the, the, the poster boy for how green investment can actually work for you? Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely say the best way to go and look at this is is to go and dive into the details of the fund so so we try to be as transparent as possible with how we value the fund you know what the fundamentals are of how we generate our our, our returns and so on so 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 please do head over to, to the websites and 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 da- download a little bit of information around around the fund i always get asked the question as to whether certain government change or policy change deters capital from the green environment and and redirect it back into oil and gas and so on and we definitely don't see that right we, we've always seen that this is a reliable place to to invest money and, and that, that we want to see exceptional growth in the spaces we've said so far in the conversation um so so we we you know i have no concern that 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 capital is is getting you know particularly diluted in in any green environment relative to a to a traditional um investment set and actually we see the exact opposite so you know we we've, we've managed to build a significant portfolio that is year on year one of the highest dividend paying platforms um out there so you know current target dividends 7.52 pence with that inflationary protection that we've already built in there we have historically paid you know a a an RPI increasing or RPI beating increased that dividend year on year and and we've done that since the fund's inception we're a progressive uh dividend policy but but you can see that you know the direction of trend that we adopt as as, as a business there so yeah look i i think it, it's maybe a bit old school the the thinking that you have to sacrifice returns to 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 really support the green agenda what what i always advise is that that people really get to know an investment manager in the space as well so so someone like next energy you know that mission i spoke about right at the top of the call is is what we live and breathe as a business. So we genuinely believe what we're doing and, and we are all here because we want to transition to a more sustainable future. We we focus on one technology set because we want to be experts in that space and we think that's how we commercialize the product and, and how we you know, give incremental returns to to investors and so on. So it's, I, I think provide you're selecting the right product with the right investment manager, you, there's definitely no sacrifice to be made in the green space. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much indeed, um, Ross, for coming on the podcast today and for uh, spending some of your time with us. That's That's been really informative. Great. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.